Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. In today's show, we cover the five biggest stories from the world of F1, including F1's executive director leaving the FIA, redemption for Checo in Monaco, the pressure continues for Ricardo and Schumacher, Mercedes to potentially reduce the number of engines they supply due to the cost cap, and also the Indy 500. Hello, my name is Tom Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hello, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerd podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to the News from the Nerds podcast, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. This show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website, www.formulanerds.com. Now, here with me today, I have Grace, who is finally back on the show. Grace, how are you? I'm good. I have missed you. Obviously, I, it's like a broken record. I say this every time I've been gone. But this time, I don't regret going because I was in Greece. So, But I'm, I'm glad to be back. Good. It's good to have you. And we also have Delilah. Delilah, how are you? I am so depressed from the Monaco Grand Prix, but all good. Thank you. <laughs> and we also have James, who if you have listened to our Monaco review, you would have heard him on this. James, how are you? I'm pretty good. Looking forward to getting stuck into some news. Yeah, we have quite a lot to cover today. So let's kick off with the FIA's announcement. The FIA announced this morning that Peter Bayer, who's the executive or who was the executive director for F1, is leaving the governing body. Now, he had quite a big part in the Abu Dhabi or the events of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix as he led the investigation into all the controversy. And his replacement or his interim replacement has been announced as Shaila Ann Rao, who 
has been working quite closely with Mercedes and particularly Toto Wolff as his special advisor for the last three and a half years, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how things start working over at the FIA now. What do you guys think about Bayer leaving? Do you think it's a good thing? Firstly, I loved your correction to from is to was, because, I mean, it's effective immediately, immediately I'm pretty sure. But it's quite interesting because I was looking at his replacement and she's very closely tied to Mercedes. So are they trying to calm the waters with Mercedes? Because obviously they were the most angry at the Abu Dhabi situation and with the results of the investigation. Or is it literally just she was the most qualified? I don't know, but I think Mercedes is still powerful. Whether their car's not the most powerful, I think as a brand, they still are powerful in F1. So there'll be something going on with that. Totally with you, Grace. Um, I think as well, the other thing as well is the timing is quite interesting. The FIA is under a lot of fire from how they handled the Monaco GP start and the procedures. And I think this is a very interesting notion that three days after that, they've got rid of this person and then they've got Shay in. So I think Mercedes, as you say, still pull some strings and uh, we'll just see how this develops over the next few weeks. But the th- all I would say as well is, you know, we also have an ex-Ferrari CEO um, as the CEO of Formula One even, get my, get my words right. So I think people can make that jump, but from an outsider's point of view, this does look interesting. Yeah, so that is quite a good point actually about Mercedes and that, because obviously they still need to build that, that trust and that respect with the FIA back up again after Abu Dhabi. But... One team that has certainly still trusted the FIA and has been doing very well this season is um, Red Bull. So, Grace, how was Red Bull's weekend, specifically for one particular Mexican? Well, as a Red Bull fan, it was a great weekend. But as a as a new Perez fan, I never used to be a fan, but I'm really starting to fall in love with him. It was just brilliant. Basically, if you've listened to the Monica review that Abby and James are on, you will have known our thoughts on it. But my thoughts on it are Ferrari completely messed up with Charles. And Perez, again, when he finally got back out in front and the race started after the red flag, he did what he did best, Mr. Time Manager on mediums. And I really think he deserved it. And especially after Spain and the team orders, I think... It was Redemption Day. And I always hear from Monaco, it's Redemption Day for Daniel Ricciardo in 2018. But now I feel like it was Redemption Day for Checo because he truly earned it. And him on the podium was just, oh, it was enough to make a grown woman slash grown man cry. I was tearing up with him. It was beautiful. Yeah, it it definitely was redemption because you could clearly see after Barcelona that Checo was rather frustrated by what Red Bull had, what they did and what they ordered him to do. But... I mean, he won Monaco. He has he has yet to win his home race. But winning Monaco is such a spectacular thing in Formula One. But he also had a new career development or an extension, I should say, after a Monaco. So does anyone know what I'm talking about there? Oh, of course. We've missed that as well. He's signed on for another two years until the end of 2024. I mean, it was bound to happen. He's such a good wingman for Max and the perfect, I want to say, second driver for Red Bull. But I did put that in quotes because at the moment, I don't think you can call him a second driver as they're only 15 points apart, I want to say. So that will be monitored closely by Red Bull. But he's 
so great. And I'm really happy they took a chance on him at the end of 2020 because it's proven a really good, worthwhile bet. I think it's going to be very interesting because now we have Peretz with the security surrounding his contract. And at the same time, he's not that far from Max. He's officially, let's say, in the title fight. And so I think it's going to be interesting for Red Bull to see if he does, let's say, stick to that second driver role that we have seen him cover brilliantly last year, um, or if he has bigger aspirations, I guess. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to monitor the situation at Red Bull. I think Red Bull gave Perez what Mercedes never gave Bottas was security, confidence, and the ability to potentially fight. Because we know Valtteri Bottas on his day is excellent and can beat Lewis Hamilton. But I feel like Mercedes never really gave him that chance. Whereas here with Red Bull, we're seeing a second driver with confidence and security, which we haven't seen at Red Bull for a very long time with Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon. So could this be a new era for Red Bull? But then again, going back way back to Vettel and Weber, that's when those two were at their prime and they were fighting. That caused a lot of issues. So I don't know whether they'll want to see a repeat of that or maybe they'll find a happy medium between the Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon situation and the Mark Webber situation. Um, You're really not going to like me, Grace, for this next point. (laughs) So I think... Red Bull have a history of favouring one driver over the other. Oh, of course. yeah. And Weber and Vettel, I would argue, were never, ever on an equal footing. They were, you know, it was always Vettel versus... It was always Vettel being wrapped around uh, the team by Marco, etc. But I think what's been very interesting this time about Perez is that he had the option to come out publicly after Barcelona, after team orders, and say, I don't like this, I want this solved... What do I do? And he came and he came to Monaco with a point to prove and he did it. And I think to your point, he's not a number two driver anymore, but that's the battle internally within Red Bull now because they've got two good drivers who they'll have to give equal opportunity to. And I don't think they've done that since I would argue since DC and Weber back in, you know, talking before 2010, maybe 2007. So it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how they're going to cope with this. It's only it's only going to get more spicy. And let's face it, we all love that. <laughs> Yeah, don't get me wrong, I don't think Weber was ever on the same platform as Vettel within Red Bull, but I think on their day, they were both just as talented and comfortable with the car. I'm just like comparing it to when Pierre and Alex had their issues. But no, I I actually agree with you. It can't get any more spicier than this. Are you ready to launch your new career in coding? Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you. At Treehouse, we've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your career goals. When you're done with the course, you haven't just watched a video. You learned, practiced and absorbed a concept. Choose to build a portfolio, create a network and land your dream job with our bootcamp style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Whatever your goals, we'll get you there. Get 50% off your first month as a podcast listener through our special discount link, treehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses. That's treehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code forward slash 
Podcorn Courses. You can also find this link in our show notes. Well, we had two really high-profile losers, unfortunately, at the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, both drivers under a significant amount of pressure. I'd probably argue one more so over the other. Um, Danny Rick, he's he's officially the nicest driver in the paddock. He's well-loved by everyone. But he just cannot get to grips with this car. And he's been trying now, well, for over a year. You, you could almost argue that, you know, last year's regulations were very different. And he's come into a new set of regulations this year. But the thing is, he's still struggling. That McLaren is not as fast as last year. But we do know what it can do with, you know, with Lando constantly scoring points. And Danny Rick urgently needed a good weekend. Not a, not a perfect weekend, but just something to show that he'd everyth- he, he, he had everything ready to go. And uh, he binned it in free practice, which wasn't great. And he's now got, you know, ex-Formula One drivers commenting on him. Uh, you know, Jacques Villeneuve, who is particularly brutal with his comments. So we take. Oh, he's horrible. Not just about Daniel, but about everyone. Oh, he is. Um, but he's come, you know, he's come out publicly and, and said that perhaps it's time for, you know, that his time's coming to an end. And you've got Jensen Button saying it's a very difficult situation. Uh, as well, which isn't great, but Zach Brown's comments—they will—they really will have hurt him. What you need at this time is your team boss to wrap around you and to help you, and uh, wrap the team around you, should I say? And he has come out publicly and said he's not meeting our expectations, and it's such a disaster for him. I think, yeah. I mean, Zach Brown does have a good point compared to Lando. Ricardo isn't performing as well at all. He's only. He qualified in the t- in the top 10 three times this year and he's only finished in the points once and that was at his home race. Other than that, he's been outside the top 10. And when you compare it to Lando specifically in Monaco and Spain, he was ill. He was suffering from tonsillitis and he still managed to get a P8 finish in Spain and a P5 finish or yeah, P5 or 6 finish in Monaco. So I think Ricardo does need to do some work, but it... It kind of is disheartening to see all these comments surrounding him because we know that he has the talent and he has the experience. And whether or not he's still suffering from like long COVID and the effects of not having as much time in the car as compared to Lando, I don't know. But it is quite sad to see, as a McLaren fan myself, it is sad to see all these comments, negative comments around Daniel. Well, with these new regs, I was like, right, they're going to be on an equal footing, Daniel and Lando, because obviously Lando's been with the team a lot longer more comfortable with the car and McLaren is notoriously hard to drive so it could have just taken him a season and then with the new regs it could be on the equal footing and it's just heartbreaking like James you said he binned it in Monaco it's like he's won at Monaco so it's not like he's crap on that track like he knows his way around Monaco not being able to get past like six gear having power issues he is the king of Monaco on his day yet he's just really struggling and it's just so sad to see because I think it was last year at Monaco when everyone started to realize he was really struggling with him letting Lando go past him and nothing's really improved since since then he's had one win in Monza which was a I'm gonna say it was a fluke no I'd agree I mean I love Danny Rick as well and this guy hasn't forgotten how to drive you know, this is the guy who effectively forced Vettel out of Red Bull in 2014 and was on par, I would say, in performance with, you know, Hamilton and Rosberg. So he can do it. Um, but the other driver who really, really needs a result urgently is Mick Schumacher. 
Um, he's been so crash a lot, unfortunately, a lot this year. And that accident at Monaco, when I saw her, I thought, oh my Lord, how has he done that? You know, we've got another Haas cut in half. Uh, but now he's got Gunter Steiner coming out and saying, you know, this is not good. Uh, you know, and then to couple and then to cap that all off, you know, Kevin Magnussen had a retirement as well. So it's double double points, you know, got away from Haas again. They had such a good start to the season. What happened to them? Um, the, the Conor McGregor curse saying Haas is going to do well this weekend and then they just <laughs> both didn't finish. But yeah, no, they had such a good start. Yeah, and it's just all gone to it's all gone to pop for them. I really hope he comes back because we want to see Gunter. He is a legend of the sport, whether he likes whether he likes it or not. Um and I just think that, you know, he can, you know, Mick is quick. He, you know, he needs, he, he usually needs a season or two in the, in the, in a formula to really get to grips with the car and to get to grips with how everything works. He's had that now, but again, like Danny Rick, you've got drivers coming out against him, but uh, ex drivers, sorry, but you also have drivers coming out for him. You know, he's got this lovely, almost um, paternal relationship with Sebastian Vettel, isn't he? And he's come out publicly and said, you know, he's getting used to it. You've got Franz Tost, who's again, a, a really good nurturer of, of drivers saying the same thing. So I, I don't think he's in as much trouble as Ricardo is, uh, but for sure he needs some results quickly. Ricardo's got a good track record. That's the only thing in F1, Ricardo has been sometimes the best driver in that season. I would say he's the best driver in 2014 in a worse car, whereas Mick hasn't got that experience yet, which is why I am worried for him a bit more than Ricardo. Yeah, well, it's like Cal, Cal, who also works for Formula Ed, he says that you can't really count Mick Schumacher in Formula 1 as his first season, because if you compare that car to this season, it was a really, really bad car last year. So I think he, Mick just needs time. And I think there is the added pressure of the name Schumacher as well, and people are expecting him to perform. But it is nice to see all these different people within the Formula One community coming together to support him. I think they are both somehow similar figures, because on one side you have a fair criticism to both, and at the same time the love from the public and from the fans for both. Um, and I think in mixed situation, the problem is also has doesn't necessarily have a huge budget. So the fact that he does tend to crash quite a lot is something that is going to, you know, make them question him. And at the same time, for McLaren, uh, with Danny Ricardo, another problem is uh, probably the fact that with uh, Perrett's signing again for Red Bull, Pierre Gasly can probably step in at McLaren. So I do think that for both, we will also need to sort of check out the um, silly season starting now. Totally with you, Delilah. I, I, think, I think the big, I think Pierre Gasly is going to be the big winner of this year's silly season. I fancy him for that car. I really do. I think he's going to get it at the end. Of the, I, re, I don't think he'll get it during the year. I think they're going to see out this year with Danny Rick, but uh, I don't see how he can, how he can keep that, how he can keep himself in that car. I, I think that Pierre Gassi's got it. Talking about the budget cap, one of the stories of the week was that we saw uh, certain teams, for example, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes are currently asking for an increase in the budget cap. At the beginning of the season, it was around 145 million. Um, currently, it has been already reduced to 100 
and 41-ish uh, millions due to Russia not being on the calendar anymore and not being uh, substituted by any other um, date. According to Christian Orner, which is of course a team principal of Red Bull, uh, seven out of 10 teams might have to drop out of some races at the end of the season due to the budget cap. Um, what we also know is, however, that uh, other teams are maybe considering in the future dropping um the furniture of engine so for example mercedes might actually reduce um their engine uh to only two teams on the grid and at the same time we have that possibly alpine alfa romeo haas and williams would be contrary to an increase in the budget cap which also makes us question how that four teams go with the team with the number of seven teams possibly going over the budget cap so what do you think about that I think it's really interesting because we've had we've heard talk of the budget cap like all season long, especially with the sprint races and that there have been a lot of people in favour of an increase. But it's interesting with Mercedes potentially dropping down to only supplying themselves and then two other teams. Because then it makes you wonder which one would they drop? Obviously, it's Aston Martin, Williams and McLaren at the moment. And McLaren seem to be venturing into every aspect of motorsport. I mean, they just announced their Formula E um, contribution as well for the Gen 3 era. But Aston Martin, there's talks with them and Audi. I mean, Lawrence Stroll confirmed that a few days ago that there have been talks with the two of them. But Audi will only enter Formula 1 as an engine supplier, not as an actual team. But then Williams, it's the sister team of Mercedes in a way, but they've just increased their ties to Red Bull with Alex Albon, who is still contracted with Red Bull. And I mean, after some of the moves that he did at the Mon- at Monaco, which we did discuss on the race review, it does make you question whether Mercedes... Well, on Albon's Beyond the Grid podcast, he did say that the details of the relationship are so complicated. So it just makes you question maybe it's getting too complicated for Williams and Mercedes to seem to be that close. Maybe this is all in the Christian Horner El Master plan. Maybe he'll get Williams to be dropped. The question is, where will they go, though? So who would who would supply Williams? There aren't that many engine suppliers left in Red Bull powertrains, maybe? And, ooh, Red Bull powertrain-powered Williams. That would be weird. That'd be really but, weird. It doesn't work, does it, almost, in a way? It doesn't, doesn't roll off the tongue properly. <laughs> but what is that quote? Always, never... The unexpected in Formula 1 will always happen. Something like that. I can't remember who it was, but... You never know. Well, speaking of unexpected, the um, the Indy 500 was at the weekend. To drop I don't Williams. know if you guys watched it. I only managed to catch the last couple of laps, which I'm a bit gutted about because it looked like a great race. But we had Marcus Ericsson, form, former F1 driver, win the race. He just beat Paso Award, who was racing for McLaren. But it's interesting to see because obviously we had the Indy 500 and the Monaco Grand Prix, which are both aspects of the Triple Crown. And... Alonso could potentially be one of the winners of the Triple Crown if he competes in the Indy 500, which he's never won. But Max Verstappen, our maiden world champion, who I thought would try and go after every title that he could, has said that he doesn't want to compete in the Indy 500 because it's insane and he doesn't want to risk his life. Says the man who bins it round, well, not bins it, but rocks it round Saudi once a year. Crazy. 
I still think he might, to be honest, like not now, but possibly like he's only 24 and has already been in Formula One for eight years, seven, um, which means probably when he's going to be, I don't know, 30, 35, I feel like he's going to try a lot of stuff. So to be honest, I still see Max Verstappen as one of the possible future triple crowns. Give Max, give Max some time. He's only 24 and, you know, tastes, everything it changes as you age. And so I, 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 he'll be in it, I reckon. Um, the last active Formula One driver to try an Indy 500, you know, had an engine blow up, of course, being Fernando Alonso. So that might have put him off. Hopefully not. Um, but, you know, when you've got, you know, Marcus Eric, you know, Marcus Eriksson has really come into his own in Indy, in the Indy, in the Indy, in the Indy car series. He's already won a race. He's now on the Indy 500. So Max could probably do it, but I love those laps. I, I, I love the Indy 500 and I love what they, what they did at the end. They red flagged it, whoever went into the pit lane, sent them all out, rolling start, equal opportunity, off you go. Um, I do think that if the FIA were watching that, and I sincerely hope they did, <laughs> um, you know, that is how you create a really great climax with equal opportunity. And that's why that race was so popular and that's why the ending was so good, in my view. It's interesting, your point, James, about... Alonso's engine blowout and that potentially putting Max off it because Carlton Herter's crash over the weekend was a major crash. I mean, he hit one wall, went across, hit another one. The car flipped upside down. There was a bit of fire and thank God that he's okay. But Indy 500, oh, IndyCar does seem quite scary and rather dangerous in my eyes. And they keep getting out the cars as well. Oh, after these accidents, you know, Colton, I mean, that, that, that accident, anyway, it was spectacular, wasn't it? It was terrifying to watch. But he just dusted himself, dusted himself off, walked out the car, and off he went. Um, Montoya, you know, ironically, was another ex-Formula 1 driver that caused the red flag with two laps to go. It was Montoya who, who crashed into the barrier. He got out as well. And I'm sure he won't thank me for saying this, but he's ancient, and he was able to walk out of it. So... I, I, yeah, I, just, I, just, I think that Max, give Max some time. He'll be in it. He just needs a bit of time to really understand that he likes it. <laughs> I think it's just brutal that Monaco and India are usually on the same weekend because you can only do one that year. So you'll never be able to get the Triple Crown in the year because that, be, that would be something spectacular, a bit like a Grand Slam. But yeah, I, I can imagine Max doing it. He's not going to say no, especially if he like goes on to do Le Mans and wins it. He's like, well, I've got two. I might as well try for all three. And also about Le Mans, I think he said that he would be willing to join Alonso for it. So that is going to be a one lineup uh, for sure. So, yeah. Oh, that would be quite good. That would be entertaining. And Alonso and Verstappen lineup at Indy. Oh, I wonder what team they go At Le Mans. Oh, at Le Mans, sorry, Miss Heard. Yeah, that'd be a pretty good lineup, wouldn't it? Who who needs to complete them? I'd say. I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like I feel like that's something we could poll out. <laughs> just see what yeah. we can see. <laughs> I would say just put like look look and make the oh. dream team or something. I don't Such know. Such a boring <laughs> answer, Delilah. So if any of you guys have an answer to that or any driver that you'd like to see join Alonso to try and complete that. Grace, where can they get in touch with us? Where can they find us? Well, you can email us. But I'd suggest maybe going on our Facebook group where we post lots of articles, have lots of hot discussions, hot debates. We have live race chats when there's a race on. And you can post, I want you to title it, Le Mans Dream Lineup, Verstappen, Alonso, and post who your the rest of your lineup will be. 
and we'll get in contact. And if you're missing out on any of the Formula Nerds news, where can you go, James? Where can you go for some Formula Nerds news? You can go to our website. Oh, he's a natural. First time on the news pod and he's got it. Yes, you can go to formulanerds.com or .co.uk or probably .net as well, but don't try it because I don't know where that will take you. But I just want to say thanks for joining me on my first podcast back. It was great to have you as a rookie, James. How's it been? It's been fun. Thank you for easing me in gently. (laughs) Oh, next week you're getting obliterated. Sam will be glad that you're taking some of the abuse Delilah, it was lovely to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Thank you. It was nice to speak to you again. And Abby, the rock that holds this new show together, thank you for being here and hosting again. That's okay. It's strange because I'm not going to be here next week. It'll be my first news podcast. What? Missing, so I know. <laughs> right. I'm going on holiday, but I'll be back after Baku, so... only norfolk so fingers crossed for sunny english weather which is probably not going to happen but you know and anyone sorry anyone listening in norfolk norfolk is great abby didn't mean only norfolk you are brave with the weather we'll see what happens are you you doing the broads are you doing are you doing a bit of a tour of other parts a bit of both a bit of both so we'll see but it's been good having all three of you on here as well We'll catch you next week then. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Abby, you need to say yours. Do it. Okay. Okay, so we'll see you later. Thank you. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Podcast Network.